Welcome to Marksman, a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ likeness. I'm Mark Spellman, your host, and so glad you've joined me on the podcast today. Again, your time, so very important and valuable, and to take time to hit that play button and listen in on the podcast is a gift to me, and it's valuable to me, and it's an honor to me, and a great joy to me. So I'm excited to spend this time with you men. Hope the Marksman podcast is a blessing to you. Hopefully you'll share it with your your buddies, whether these are guys at church, whether these are guys at work, guys in your neighborhood, maybe brothers in your family. But let's get some more men sitting you know, at the table, proverbially speaking, you know, uh, we want to hear from you. We want you to send me an email at Spellman Ministries at gmail.com, Spellman Ministries, S-P-E-L-L-M-A-N Ministries, plural, at gmail.com. Send us your praise reports, your testimonies, brag on God. We want to share those with the other men on the podcast, and it'll encourage them as well. If you have prayer requests, let me know what those are. Myself, my family, our prayer force here at Family Mission, We'll be praying for you, and uh, so we want to hear from you. Also, if you have ideas about what you want to hear on the podcast, send us an email, spellmanministries at gmail.com, and we'll see if we can dig into some of those topics and subjects and questions you might have. And then finally, and lastly, check out spellmanministries.org. Uh, SpellmanMinistries.org and click not only go through the website, check out the family mission mandates, check out some of the resources, uh, just take a look at the website if you haven't been there recently. But I really want you to hit that update button or newsletter button because what happens is we get your email and then once a week on Monday you get a devotion. It's just a short, quick read, but it's it's a conversation starter for you and your family, you and the Lord. And uh, so you'll get that each Monday. That's our promise to you. If we just get your email and then we'll begin sending you that devotion. It's called the Family Mission Devotion. It'll hit your inbox on each Monday, sometime Monday. And uh, so anyway, check it out, SpellmanMinistries.org. Click the, click the button that says newsletter or update, and then get us your email address. <clears throat> Today, uh, this week, what I want us to dig into is the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Just at, you know, seeking the Lord, you know, week by week, what it is that uh, was on His heart for you men. You know, and what's stirring and and just kind of alive and on fire in, in my belly, you know, that I could share with you that might encourage you and challenge you, equip you, what whatever God wants to do. We just want to work with the Holy Ghost. And um, so I had Ephesians 1 just really highlighted. And so if you don't, you know, if you're in a gym or you're in a car or you're doing something where you can't you know, pull open a Bible, well, then just listen and be blessed. But, you know, if you're sitting somewhere, you happen to watch this or you listen to it again later, you want to maybe take some notes, write some things down. But we're going to be going to Ephesians chapter one. You know, there's a there's a passage here. This really this first chapter, it's um, it's a tremendous place to start, you know, as a new believer. Um the epistles were written to the church, the church, those who have who have put faith in Christ, been born again. The epistles are written directly to you. These are the post-resurrection teachings of Jesus Christ. You say, what does that mean? <laughs> well, in John 16, Jesus said, I have many things to say to you, but you can't hear them now. 
But when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. Well, Jesus died, and of course, they didn't know that was coming. That shocked them. That confused them. But then he rose from the dead. They were slow to believe that, but eventually did. And then they were all there on the day of Pentecost, you know, Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. And they received the Holy Ghost. And of course, from that time forward, the church was born, and off they went, right? Preaching Jesus, preaching Jesus, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, first in Jerusalem, then to Samaria, then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And here you and I today believe in Jesus because of them. But what happened was one of the one of the most notable converts early in the church uh, era was a guy named Saul. Well, he, of course, we know him as the Apostle Paul, and Acts chapter 9 records his conversion. You know, he had just put Stephen to death. Acts 7 records that. He had just put Stephen to death, and as Stephen died, Stephen cried out, Lord Jesus. He said, I see the Lord standing, and they, they tore their clothes. They were like, ah, and he says, Lord, do not hold this sin or this charge against them. In other words, he extended mercy, and he asked for mercy for those men, Paul, Saul at that time, holding the cloaks of the men who stoned Stephen to death. Don't you know that wrecked Saul? Don't you know he had some sleepless nights? Oh, he had religion, and he had faith in God, but he did not know love. (laughs) because God, who is love, was staring him in the face (laughs) through through the testimony of Jesus, and he was angry. He was trying to put Christians to death. And then Stephen cried out, Have mercy, Lord, on these men. And so then in Acts chapter 9, the Lord appears, bright, shining light, knocks Saul off his horse, and Saul says, Who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And it's hard to kick against the pricks. So his heart had been pricking him. His heart had been bothering him. His heart had been convicting him. He says, hard to keep resisting that, Paul. And he says, what do you want me to do, Lord? Called him Lord. I mean, that was, boom. That, that, was, a, that was a quick conversion. And, of course, he was blinded for a, a few days. And Ananias had to come lay hands on him and Show, show him the things that he was going to have to endure for the Lord's sake and for the, the things he was called to. But he was used, like all that to say, he was used by God to write letters back to the churches that God had him start, to the fellowships of saints in Ephesus and Colossae and, and Philippi. And he wrote letters, you know, to, to men that were leaders and, you know, spiritual sons of his like Titus and Timothy. And so there's so many letters written in the the New Testament that Paul wrote that were by revelation of Jesus Christ. They They were under the unction and the mandate of the Holy Ghost. And so that's what I'm saying. These were the things Jesus wanted to say in John 16, but couldn't say. But once he was on his throne and his Holy Ghost, his Holy Spirit was in his church, and Paul being one of the early apostles of the church, Peter and others were apostles as well, but I'm talking about Paul today, Paul being an apostle, Jesus was able to speak through him the things that he wanted to say, wanted to explain, but they couldn't 
know it until he died, until he was raised from the dead, until he was ascended and seated in heaven. And so here Paul, as he's writing to the Ephesians, these are the post-revelation or the post-resurrection teachings of Jesus Christ. These are the things Jesus Christ wants you and I to know. Now he's able to tell us because you and I have the Holy Ghost. You and I have the spirit of truth and he, Holy Spirit, leads us and guides us into all truth. So right now, something I do all the time, I learned this, uh, Dr. Youngi Cho, a, a pastor of one of the largest churches in the world over in Seoul, Korea, South Korea, had such a beautiful relationship with the Holy Spirit, you know. Men would ask me, how'd you build this amazing you know, church? And he would sit in conferences all around the world, and he'd get asked questions, and his his most famous answer was, I pray, I obey. <laughs> I pray, and I obey. I mean, that's that's pretty simple stuff right there. <laughs> Sounds like the first miracle in the Cana of Galilee where Mary says, whatever he says to you, do it. <laughs> And that's what happens in prayer. God talks to you. But then the next step is we got to do it. I pray. I obey. Something else Dr. Cho said was this, you know, when he would read his Bible and get into his word. And in fact, if you missed last week, we talked about, oh, it was so good. We talked about the importance of our relationship with the word of God, the Bible. If you missed it, man, go check it out. Last week's Marksman. I don't want to unpack all that again, but here we are. The Bible. Dr. Cho used to say, Holy Ghost, let's go read the Bible. (laughs) How awesome is that, that we have the author of the word present while we read the word that he breathed and he wrote as holy men. In fact, here's what it says about the word. Uh, Second, let me just read it to you here in 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. All right, I think I got it. All Scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. I think the Amplified says God-breathed. So when I open the Word, I can get the breath of God. In fact, what does it take to form words? It takes breath. See, I couldn't be articulating words and releasing words and sounds if I didn't have breath. Words not only contain sound, they contain breath. They contain the pneuma, the spirit of God. That's the Greek word for spirit, pneuma, pneuma. These are God-breathed. These are pneuma words. These are spirit words. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. They're God-breathed, and they're profitable for doctrine, that's teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God. That's you, brother. You're the man of God. Somebody say, hey, man of God. (laughs) You are a man of God. That's what marksman's all about. Men who've been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ's likeness. So man of God, the word is in your life that you may be perfected and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And it's good for your teaching. It's good for reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness. So that is why 
I felt so impressed to dig into Ephesians 1. We're not going to like unpack the whole thing. We're just going to catch the spirit of it because I kind of want to give you an assignment. I just want you to dig into Ephesians 1 this week. You know, our relationship with the Word is so important. We talked in depth about that last week. But I'm just encouraging you, let's just get into Ephesians 1 this week. At the end of Ephesians 1, there's a powerful prayer. Don't know that we'll get there today, because really what I want to focus on is what it begins with in verse 3. Blessed be the God. We're going to start in verse 3, Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So we are blessed. We are blessed. You are blessed as a follower of Christ, uh, you know, as born-again Christian. You're blessed. God's blessed you. God, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord who has blessed us. Has. Not going to. Has. Somebody's already has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he chose us in him. You are chosen, not only blessed, but you're chosen. Say, I'm blessed and say, I'm chosen. (laughs) That's one of the most wonderful things is to feel chosen, to feel accepted. It's one of the reasons people you know join the things that they join they get involved in the things that they involved one of the biggest reasons is they feel accepted they feel like they're chosen they feel like they're they're welcomed there there's something about being chosen you know jesus said this in john 15 you didn't choose me i chose you you we might even ask the next question who found who first did you find the lord or did the lord find you <laughs> You know, he's the one leading the relationship. We must never forget that. That's one of the things we do as men. We, If you're married, you lead. You lead the relationship. You lead as a lover. You lead as a prayer. You lead as a man of God. You lead as a worshiper. You lead as a worker. You lead as a servant. You lead. We lead as men. God leads. Jesus leads. And he's in the lead in our relationship. So he chose us first. We didn't choose him. He chose us. No man, Jesus said this, no man gets to the Father but through me. In other words, I'm the one who gets you there. I'm the one who pursues you. I'm the one who chooses you. I'm the one who brings conviction into your life. We can't even save ourselves. I mean, repentance is a gift. Yeah, it requires a choice. You got to choose. You got to believe. But we wouldn't even have the ability to choose if God didn't bring conviction. If Holy Spirit didn't bring conviction through his word, through preaching, through teaching, through the anointing, we are so dependent upon the Lord. He chose us. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, that'll wreck you. (laughs) Before the foundation of the world, God made the choice. He knew you before you were even born. (laughs) How? He's God. And he's not bound by time. He's outside of time. We're locked in time for a short while yet. But soon and very soon, we'll break out out of this time domain. 
But he's already outside that time. And so he was able to choose us before the foundation of the world. It's called the foreknowledge of God. Jeremiah 1, God says, Jeremiah, before you're in your mother's womb, I chose you and I ordained you a prophet. Before you're in your mother's womb, I chose you and I ordained you. Well, same is true of you, man. Before you were in your mother's womb, whether you were planned or unplanned, I happened to be an unplanned pregnancy. Mom and dad didn't plan to have me. They had Garland and Philip and Matt, and they were done. And then six years later, boy, yeah, here comes Mark. Well, they thought it was going to be a girl, so I was, I was Heidi. And then uh, that was before they had sonograms and all that stuff. They're just trying to measure, you know, you carry the baby high, carry the baby low, and they just took a guess and they missed it. And I was a boy. I was a man child, and so Heidi wasn't going to work, so they had to come up with the name before they dismissed mom from the hospital, so Mark it was. So even though I wasn't planned, I was planned by God. Now, I was loved. I mean, it was like I lived, you know, grew up rejected, you know, but I'm saying even in those situations where maybe someone, not only are they not planned, they're not even welcome. They're maybe given away, given up, given up to adoption or whatever. And, you know, they can grow up and find out, man, I was adopted. Why didn't my mom and dad want me? And they can deal with feelings of rejection. And maybe that's you. But here we are seeing God chose you. God chose you before your parents even knew you. And so we have to, at some point, let what God thinks matter more than what anyone else thinks. And that's a game changer. When we let what God thinks matter more than what anybody else thinks. Well, God chose us before the foundation of the world. That word of consequence, word of effect, that we would be holy and without blame before him in his presence in love. That's what God wants. When we go to him in prayer, he wants us to go. Remember what he said? The word of God will, will train us and instruct us in righteousness. Second Timothy three seventeen, instruct us in righteousness. That's what the word's doing right here. The word is instructing us as men of God. It's instructing us in righteousness that we, through the work of what God has done and the blood of Jesus has done, we have been brought to him and we can come to him and we can be with him, even in prayer, holy and without blame before him in love. You say, well, how's that? Well, you don't know what I've done. Well, let me say this. You may not then know the power of the blood of Jesus. Because let me read to you 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. If you don't know this verse, if you don't have this verse highlighted in your Bible, I believe you will after this. You do not want to lose this verse. Verse 9, 1 John 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even if we do miss it, even if we, even after having been born again, having been saved, having been filled with the Holy Ghost, having walked with God, we've all missed it since that time, haven't we? I mean, let's all raise our hand, confess, confess your faults one to one another, pray one for another that you may be 
healed. There's nothing. We don't need to hide it. We don't need to act like we've never missed it. We've all missed it. But here's the thing. There is the blood of Jesus that not only cleansed our sin on the cross, even after we come alive in Christ, even after we walk with the Lord, if we miss it. I love what it goes on to say in 1 John. Um, it says in 1 John, it rolls right down into chapter 2. You know, one letter wasn't written in chapters. It says, my little children, these things we write unto you that you sin not. So he, he talks about the forgiveness that's available. But he says, I'm not telling you that just so that you just keep first John one nine in it. Just high five. You know, thanks, God. Thanks for forgiving me. Thanks for cleansing me. And then have no plan to stop sinning. He said, no, that's not why I'm writing this. I'm writing to you. This this availability of forgiveness and cleansing, I'm writing to you, not so that you don't continue to sin. He said, if we do sin, we have an advocate. He said, if, that's a big word, if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation, that means the atoning provision, for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so back in Ephesians 1 where he's talking about that we should be before him holy and blameless, then that means even if we have missed it as men, if we've made a wrong choice, if we've if we've spoke wrong to our children, we spoke wrong to our wife or we've made a bad decision or we made a bad choice or we went where we shouldn't have went or we did what we shouldn't have did, we we overrode the conviction in our heart, we we violated our conscience in any way. Watch something we shouldn't have watched. Listen to something we shouldn't have listened to. Got involved in gossip that we should have never partaken in. Whatever it is, your heart condemns you. Your heart convicts you. I love this. First John one nine, or not First John one nine, but in First John chapter two, he talks. Oh, let me. I'm butchering it. It's actually First John three. The Holy Ghost just brought this verse up, and this is really really important. So I don't want to just quote it and run on. I want you to see the address too. So let's go back to 1 John. We were in verse 9 of chapter 1. But I want to go over now to, I think it's 320. Let me double check that. 1 John 3. Let me find it here. Yeah, 1 John 320. Let's see. Well, let's see verse 18. Get a run at it. What do you say? 1 John 3.18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, mean only, but in deed and truth. In other words, don't just say, I love you, I love you, I love you. No, show it. Demonstrate it. Love has feet. Love has legs. Love has an action. Aren't you glad God didn't just yell from heaven, I love you? (laughs) Aren't you glad he did something and he showed that love? That's what this is talking about. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. That's what he's talking about in Ephesians 1. Standing before him, holy and without blame. Assuring, having assurance in his presence. This, by this we'll know we're of the truth and we will assure and we'll stand with assurance in his presence. If our heart condemns us, now we've all been there, men. Our hearts condemning us. Maybe it's, you know, um, anyway, I don't even start listing things. You know what I'm talking about. When your heart condemns you, your heart, you know, like Paul, we talked about it, kicking against the pricks. 
We've all done it. Let's not make excuses for it. Let's certainly not celebrate it, but let's be willing to admit it. But let's look at the cure. Let's look at the cure for that. If our heart condemns us, if, if it's pricking you, like, like Paul, his heart was pricking him. And he said, quit kicking against the pricks, Paul. And I feel like that's what God's saying to us today, man. Quit kicking against the pricks if your heart's condemning you. He's not doing that to condemn us. From God's standpoint, it's conviction. And God's trying to convict us so that he can bring healing and he can bring forgiveness and he can bring cleansing. Praise God. Here's what it says. First John 3.20, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. So that feeling that we have because of our heart condemning us, know this, God's greater than that. God's greater than that feeling of regret. God's greater than that feeling of remorse. God's greater than that feeling of disappointment. God's greater than that feeling of just being angry with yourself. He's greater than that. Don't let that be the end. If your heart condemns you and my heart condemns me, it says come boldly to the throne of grace, Hebrews 4, 16. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. Yeah, mercy, but grace is going to be there to help us in our time of need. God is greater than our hearts, 1 John 3, 20, and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God, and whatever we ask, we receive of him because we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So the blood of Jesus, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God's greater than our sin. God's greater than our heart and the conviction and the condemnation. And he wants to cleanse us and he wants to forgive us because like back in Ephesians 1, he wants us to be, Ephesians 1, 4, holy and without blame before him in love. You want to be the greatest dad? You want to be the greatest father? You want to be the greatest husband? You want to be the greatest uh, whatever it is you do, whatever business you're in, whatever line of work you're in, you want to be the greatest at anything you put your heart and hand to? then we have to get to a place of confidence with God. We have to get to that place. That's the only way we're going to rise to the place we're called to rise to in any field, any work, any endeavor, any relationship where we're involved. If we're going to be the best we can be, we have to rise through our confidence of being with God, being with him without blame. And when we, when we come, if something convicts us, our heart condemns us, then we, we 1 John 1, 9, we confess it. We don't excuse it. We don't blame nobody for it. We don't run from God like in Genesis you know, 3. We don't try to cover it. We don't try to hide. We don't try to blame, and we don't make excuses. We just we own up to it, and we accept the blood of Jesus for the cleansing and the washing of our sins. Praise God. Well, our time's away from us, men. These podcasts just blaze right by. But I want to encourage you to just read and meditate Ephesians 1. That's really what I had in my heart to encourage you with this week. We just dove in and dug into just a little bit of it, and it's been a good time together. But there's a lot more for you to dig. There's a prayer at the end of this chapter that you can literally personalize it and pray it. 
If you missed it last week, we dug into one of the prayers of Colossians 1. So if you missed last week, go back and check out last week's. We actually dug into one of Paul's prayers in Colossians 1, and you'll kind of see you know, how, how those prayers work. But you can also dive right into Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3. At the end of these chapters are tremendous prayers, men, that you can pray. You can pray over yourself. You can pray over your spouse. You can pray over your children. You can pray over your church. You can pray over your pastor. You can pray over those who are leading you, mentoring you in the Lord. You can pray over your, you can just pray. And you can pray them over and over and over like Paul did for these believers. But Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, into those chapters, you'll see the prayers. But please take some time this week. Dig into Ephesians chapter 1. Take some time and meditate and just let the Holy Spirit, let Him lead you. Let Him guide you. He's the one and only He can guide us into truth. Because that's the reality, men. None of us get into the truth without the Holy Spirit. So like Dr. Youngie Cho used to say, you can say it too, men. Say, Holy Ghost, let's go read the Word. Holy Ghost, let's pray, I'll obey.